David. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever it is, wherever you are. My name is Malachi J. Matthews, and I am joined, as always, by Hollywood Fletch. Hollywood Fletch, how are you doing? We're in the we're in the same room together again. It's the same as last week. So I've got to break up this. We're doing. If you, put, if you put these in the boat, dolphins. So sorry, Fletcher is breaking up the uh, the plastic that goes around the beer cans so the dolphins don't <laughs> choke on it. Even though we're in the Midlands. So yeah, Fletch, what have you been up to since last time we recorded, which was yesterday? Yesterday, it wasn't yesterday. It was ages ago. What? I can't actually remember when it was. What have you done since then? We haven't done anything, have we? I don't know. I'm trapped in a lockdown spiral. It's, don't really know what day it is, what time it is, or anything. No, because I've, I've um, boarded up all my windows, so I don't know whether it's day or night when I'm at home right now. Have you really boarded up your windows? Yeah. Why have you boarded up your windows? Because sometimes I have to sleep during the day. You don't need to board up your window. Uh, well, I suppose it's the nighttime vampire man situation rearing its ugly head but we have a third man this evening this afternoon this morning whatever it is and we've gone international america can you hear me we have a third <laughs> guest and it is mr ek wimmer of the laser graves <laughs> podcast over in america how's it going bab you all right yeah doing great how are you guys doing fabulous fabulous <laughs> yeah. we've been out in the garden uh, this afternoon we've been sitting in the garden in the sun using you the guardian that Fletchy likes going outside at no, all. No, it's nighttime over there right now, right? Yeah, it's about ten o'clock now, so it's just just getting dark. So what? It's about three o'clock in the afternoon your end. Yep, that's about right. So just about to get my evening started. Nice, nice. <laughs> so Eric, tell us a little bit about um, the Laser Graves podcast. What it is that you guys do on your show. I, I have a, a podcast called Laser Graves, like you mentioned, and I run it with my wife, Mariah, and it's just exclusively about the 80s. It's pretty lighthearted, pretty stupid, and it's just a reason for us to discuss anything and everything 80s. We do a lot of movie reviews, um, not good movies, but movies that make us laugh hard, and we'll do sometimes books or events from the 80s. And usually the more obscure, low budget or ridiculous, the better for us. Um, we've tried a couple times to do, you know, highbrow, serious stuff. And it's uh, it's not as easy to talk about as something that's that's pretty dumb. So we've been doing that for quite a while now. And it's it's a lot of fun. What was the highbrow, serious stuff that you did? Not even like super highbrow, but uh, like art house stuff. We tried to do what well, we did. Uh, David Cronenberg's Videodrome. And oh, we yeah, found yeah. nice. Yeah, and it's an awesome movie. And when our whole podcast is us just riffing on, you know, bad dialogue and cheesy uh, effects and stuff, and then all of a sudden you're watching like a legit, a legit good movie, it's hard to be kind of just funny and lighthearted because I, I couldn't find anything to really, you know, make fun of. And I'm like, oh, wait, I just really like this movie a lot. So it was a struggle. We did Terry Gilliam's uh, Brazil, too, and that one uh. was tough because it just – there's – there's too much that's good about it and not enough that's really kind of funny. So Yeah, that's like a real film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, well, maybe we should steer clear and do like Teen Witch or something dumb like that, you know? Yeah, cool. Well, I, I love your podcast. I mean, we ended up talking. I think we ended up talking over, I think it was about Trick or Treat initially, wasn't it? Oh, I'm sure it's it was. Yeah. It's I, think it was, or I love Trick or Treat. 
possibly the greatest film ever made. And speaking of heavy metal films, usually I do this with Fletcher, but E.K. Wimmer, what film are we watching this week on Super Tap Film Club? We are watching uh, the kind of more deep cut heavy metal horror, Lone Wolf, which is, well, you really have to dig deeper to find this one. It's not a trick or treat, that's for sure. No, no. I mean, funnily enough, I, I was actually watching this when we were talking. This has actually been on our um, on our list for a while. But there was another podcast that we uh, that we're friends with, the Fright Vision guys. They did this um, a few months back. It's a heavy metal horror, but it, it's one that I didn't really know about until I found it on YouTube. And then it's it's just sort of popping up in a few places. And then you pick this one to do, and it's from 1988. <laughs> yeah, the best year ever, right? Yeah, the year that just keeps on giving. <laughs> Fletch, did you did you pick up any trivia on the film, or did you just watch it? Barely watched it. You barely, <laughs> barely watched this one. Did you uh, did you pick up any trivia on this one at all, Ek? Uh, there wasn't a whole lot, except for the director John Callis. He yeah. he only did one other feature. What I did find kind of bizarre was he directed a lot of episodes of Bobby's World. Did you guys ever watch that, the Howie Mandel cartoon? No, no, I don't know what that is. No, we've so, never heard of that. Yeah, Bobby's World. So Howie we, we, Mandel... We've our first cultural boundary here. There we yeah. go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, did you ever see Little Monsters with Fred Savage and, and Howie yeah, Mandel? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's that's Howie is the monster in that. He right. um, is a c- comedian, and he had a uh, TV show, a kid's show called Bobby's World. And so this guy worked on a ton of episodes of that. And interestingly, um, depending on when this one airs, uh, the most recent episode that we just did on Laser Graves was Little Monsters, so that uh, it's fresh in my mind, I guess. But that's there wasn't a lot of trivia, honestly. The even the band in this movie, uh, there's hardly anything on these guys. They didn't put out any records or anything. No, no. What were they called? Was it Tykes? I think okay, I was going to ask you guys that because uh, I read it as Tykes. It's T Y X E. And I thought, like, yeah. little tykes, like little kids, tykes kind of thing. But, yeah, that's, uh... what, that's what I thought from it. But they are far from little children. They're all, like, 50 years old. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to mention this because whenever you watch a film like this, that's always the first thing that comes to mind. Like, they're clearly not teenagers. But this film takes the biscuit. Though, yeah, they're, they're like 45. They look like my dad, the kids in this film. <laughs> they look... They look like the cast of Seinfeld. (laughs) This is in, I was blown away because not only are they just incredibly old and it it really makes it hard to believe this story of like, you know, kind of a Scooby-Doo gang looking for clues kind of thing (laughs) because it looks like um, it's the parents of the Scooby-Doo gang. But in addition to that, I, when I read the synopsis, it said that they were in a college. It was like college students. And I thought, well, there's some flexibility there if it's a community college or something where they can be non-traditional students that are a little older. But then I think that's a typo because on the back of the actual VHS box, it says they're high school. It's a high school class. (laughs) And so that makes us even more absurd. There is no way any of these, these guys have children in high school. That's how old they are. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's it. All right, well, should we get into it? We'll do it, we'll do it, we'll get going. Lone Wolf, 1988, and it starts with an instant wolf claw howl combo. Howl! What was that? Skip and Julie are kissing in a parked car. It's been a lovely night, but then Skip is a fucking douchebag. 
and he starts, he's been drinking in Julie's car and making unwanted advances. And she winds down the window and she chucks his broom, just chucks his broom straight out the window. Skip's an asshole. He gets really pissed because she won't let him drive home drunk. And he's yeah, really off- <laughs> He's offended by this. Yeah, he's offended. So he gets out of the car, gets left behind. And she's like, look, I'm, gonna, I'm going, whether you're coming or not. And while this is happening, Wolf, Wolf point of view, skulking around in the woods. He's gone out pissed. She drives off without him, leaves him to walk, walk home. Wolf, instant wolf attack. Skip's been, that's it, the first wolf attack. Do you know the name Skip? Yeah. <laughs> like, is, is that a common thing? I'll tell, I'll tell you what, we've got, we've got a man here from the States. Okay. That's, that's I have so many questions. <laughs> so Skip? Is Skip like a real name in the States? Uh, not very common. It would be like a nickname for maybe a prep school or something like that. But I've never met an actual person named Skip before. There you go. He is a prep school. He's a 45-year-old child at school. So there you go. That's, that, that's within the boundaries of reality. But His yeah. name's Skip because he skipped so many classes that he's maybe. still at college now. Maybe that's what it is. But he's dead now anyway. Wolf attack. First one. Oh, wolf. Dead. In town, uh, there's a... Back door of a venue. Door opens. Eddie, where's Eddie? Red Herring, the Eddie. Right? <laughs> Eddie, he's a guy. He's a, he's a moody-looking fella. Again, looks about 45. He comes in from the darkness, enters the, enters the venue straight on stage, illuminates the stage with his goth rock and rollness. He's the singer in the band. He's the singer in Tykes, and they're playing in town. <laughs> um, sing it, let it rock. I mean, the lyrics. The lyrics in this song were about making it in the charts. That was the thing. They did because I, I watched this one on How Amazon. Did you, you have the lyrics to the song. I did, yeah, because I had this one on Amazon. I watched. Eric actually told me. Sorry, Ek told me that it was on Amazon. I watched this on a really ropey copy. Yeah, that's YouTube. Yeah, that's why I watched. I watched it on YouTube. Yeah, I did as well. But then when I wrote it, it was on Amazon. I could see it as clear as day. You could see the whole thing. It was almost like I it's almost like it. if you pay for it, yeah. you get a better quality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would argue though, th- this was never put out. To my knowledge, this was never put out on DVD. So I honestly think the the version you saw on YouTube that was the VHS rip is probably how you should actually see it because sometimes seeing more of a film is not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> kind of, you can disguise the effects in the darkness a little better. Yeah, that's true. I noticed that when I was, when I watched the 4K version of Spookies, it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot different in 4K. Hey, I used to have I used to have Tank Girl on DVD. Oh dear! And you can just see the the cables attached to Ice T, and just <laughs> it's just flying around it's a kangaroo outfit. Yeah, Ice T was a kangaroo in that, wasn't he? Have you ever had like? I had that DVD for years, right? And I refused to get rid of it because everyone, you've got it. I, th- I feel like everyone should have their favorite fucking awful film, right? Right. Like that one film that just you watched yourself, and you had that personal journey of I can't believe I've sat through this whole film. And yours is Tank. I thought it was Queen of the Damned. No. What? No, that was the opposite. That's the greatest film ever made. <laughs> you know, Tank Girl was filmed right next to my house where I grew up as a kid. No joke. There it you was, go. Yeah, it was filmed at White Sands. Uh, it's a national park 
in New Mexico and the vehicle from Tank Girl was parked at a junk shop after they filmed it and they left it there for years. So we drive by it every day. It was the off from the oh, set of Tank Girl. Oh, yeah. that's where, where are you from, UK? Uh, I grew up in New Mexico. And so I grew up down at the bottom and right next to my house, about 20, 30 minutes away, is this place called White Sands. And it's just miles and miles and miles of what looks like, uh, if you could imagine a desert made out of pure sugar, that's what it looks like. It's it's unreal. And that's where they filmed a lot of the scenes from Tank Girl. Well, it's not like that around here. I mean, <laughs> I just, like, I, I was just talking about Tango, by the way. I didn't know that he was going to say that. No, no. Well, the band Tykes are on stage. They're dropping lyrics about wanting to make it in the charts, which is what it is, because I, I read it with my own eyes. There's two girls in the crowd that are clearly about 35 to 40 years old watching the band as they're letting it rock. One of the girls, Colleen, says... To the other girl says, Do you want to dance? She's like, We do not dance at rock concerts because there are rock people. Look at those snobby, rich, yuppie cocaine people over there. That's what they do. We just like look moody. And if I was going to dance with anyone, I'd dance with that sexy singer over there. And just as she says that, he looks at he looks at her, smouldering like across <laughs> across the room. She says, On a night like tonight. Who knows what could happen, Red Herring? <laughs> what did you think? I th- We've already gotten our first taste of the music for this. And, you know, uh, metal horror or just rock horror in general is a very precious subcategory for me. And so anytime the music is revealed for the first time, that sets the tone. And, uh, you know, they do play a lot of music in this film from the band. I'm curious yeah. on what your what your thoughts were of the actual music we're being given for the band of this film. I mean, it's, it's good. It's no, uh, it's no fast way, but it's like, (laughs) you get, they're they're ticking the boxes. They're letting it rock. They want to get to the charts. (laughs) It's all about rocking all night. And then there's the lyrics. Yeah. Ask me. Right. No, no, it's all, I've just written that one about letting it rock all night. And uh, letting it rock all night. Yeah. So, (laughs) That's it. That's what it's all about. It's just good time rock and roll. Pretty much all the songs were about being awake at night, rocking, <laughs> rocking hard. <laughs> For me, the, the music in this film was like a roller coaster because this first song was amazing and it starts off great. Yeah. And in the denouement of the film, Ooh. it goes awful. It goes awful. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It dips in the middle, he's saying. Yeah. But to a triumphant, happy song at the end. I yeah. Think you'll well, it. spoiler alert. Well, the, uh, the credit song on this film is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, so, I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After the set, Eddie's outside smoking and smouldering the da-da. There's rustling, spooky. Who's there? Oh, it could be a wolf. It's not a wolf. It's okay. He said, hey, Eddie, where, where you keep going off during the set? Just like Jimmy does a song and you just fuck off. Red Herring, what are you doing? And he's like, it doesn't matter. You don't need me for those bits. So I just, I'm just not there. Right, they've got a manager called Vince. He's really happy that he's taking a chance on a new, and a new band in town. Eddie is like, yeah, you're using us because we're new and we're cheap and we're burning down the house. <laughs> Which is assassin in a rock way. I think it's, uh... There are so many quotable lines in this movie. I don't. I this movie made me laugh out loud a lot because the delivery. 
you know, it's one of those movies that's clearly so bad it's good. And in my mind, yeah. it's brilliant. It's brilliant because of that. But there are so many lines that I was writing down for myself because they made me laugh at how how dumb they were. But, you yeah. know, I could see I could see people memorizing certain lines from this film and just, you know, laying them out at parties for people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of lines, it's when we meet Aunt Trudy at Eddie's awkward breakfast. This is when you notice how fucking old is Eddie when he's sitting down <laughs> at this breakfast. He looks this like Robert Plant in a black wig. Yeah. <laughs> this is what really confused me. This is when I... I is I, this I, his wife? This was like the first time I looked at the telly. Right. And there's this guy sat next to this middle-aged, besweated woman. Yeah. And there's just this grown-ass man just sat next to her. Well, she's doing breakfast. Yeah, and she's like, what are you going to sort out your life? Yes, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she says to him, this is a line that I, I stuck in my head. She's like, how can, you, how can you talk to me while you've got that TV on? And he says, maybe I'm a media junkie. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And she says, well, just like the probation officer's been on the phone. You're supposed to go to school every day, you shady little bastard. Yeah, I got really confused. Yeah, because they're not mentioned. It's just like, he's been on the phone. You're, supposed to, you're going to get in trouble for this. What, why don't you listen to what they're teaching you at school? And he shouts, DOS! She's like, what the fuck did you call me? <laughs> he says, DOS, it means disk operating system. I do computers. Aren't you true? Get with the get with the fucking program. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, I was so confused because this is because it's funny. It's funny you mentioned earlier, EK, but this is where I, I I thought it was a sort of like open university or college uh, community college, as you said, um, sort of deal going on here. Because yeah, because it's the first so time funny. I looked at the screen and I saw how old he was. Yeah. Well, you couldn't see him before because he was under the cover of darkness. Yeah, but the only thing we've seen so far is them just playing yeah. like a gig. Yeah, yeah. So we've no reason to assume they're any younger than what they look. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, he basically, his auntie says, sort your fucking life out. He, has, he says, he's sassing her with computer words. And she says, you're going to have to, have to have to have a word with your horrible uncle when he gets home from work. And then he stares back at her like a murderer. And he just says, like, talk, forget it. We don't talk. Wolf. <laughs> oh, red herring. <laughs> red herring. Crime scene. The police have found the body of Skip ripped to pieces like a kebab on the floor. There's the sergeant. And then there's a, um, his assistant, Kamitsky. Un- unrealistic name because he doesn't commit to a thing. He's a very unserious man. <laughs> Awful. Just laughs at the whole thing. It's too camp for a policeman. Enter Joel. Enter Joel. I wanted to find out who he was. Well, you don't. That's it. And that was the first time I looked at the IMDb page. And you know you're in for a good time when you look at the IMDb page and it looks like you've closed all of the uh, the board on Guess Who. Yeah, because it's <laughs> just a bunch of silhouettes with question marks on them. Yeah. They didn't find on Kamitsky. Has he been in anything I else? didn't know who it was. <laughs> I was trying to look into all of them, too, and every single character I looked into, this was their only credit. Yeah, <laughs> there exactly. Go, yeah. There you go. A, what have we found here, guys? We've found a little gem. People wouldn't know about this. <laughs> I did hear that the uh, the writer had a production company or something like that, and he did try and just 
pool from local talent. And this was shot in Denver, Colorado. And so right. clearly it's just whoever was, you know, working at the local theater at the time. And <laughs> and I'm assuming when he walked in to ask, it was the 45 and over uh, stage group. <laughs> and yeah. he said, we'll yeah. just take all of you, all 50 of you. Yeah. I reckon, I reckon they just went into the wrong hall and came in on an AA meeting instead. <laughs> right, this is where we meet Joel. Joel, again, looks about 45. He's got very sensible hair. He's on his way to school, but he's getting bullied by the jocks with their sensible <laughs> hair and sensible coats. They haven't got Letterman jackets, but they've all got really good, nice, sensible dad coats on, haven't they? That okay. gave it more of the impression that they were just adults and adult school. Yeah, because like, nice it's just like, right, we haven't got costumes for you. Bring your own good coat. <laughs> Bring a nice coat. I was still, I was still so confused at this point. I had a hard time adjusting to taking adults seriously trying to pretend to be teenagers because they're tossing around a basketball to look tough because they're like a yeah, jock yeah. <laughs> they're like a jock gang and i'm sure you're about to get into it so i won't step on your toes but when when it heats up i just yeah. i couldn't i couldn't stop laughing it was oh, it was like a bunch of dads you know they don't have to work uh it's the weekend so they've got the the weekend off and they're like hey how about we go down and try and pretend to be teenagers wouldn't that be funny <laughs> yeah. oh yeah seriously but yeah all the douche jockey kids kids in bracket excuse me thing is thing is if we can just i don't i don't know if we're just expressing cuz normally we are we are conditioned to just accept these people in their twenties and like early thirties as teenagers. But this one's films. a bit different. It's just like mm-hmm. film language to us yeah. now, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's... So the fact that we won't stop talking about it for this film <laughs> yeah. should just tell you how much these people didn't look like teenagers. Yeah. Well, the douchey jock kids are all whooping and blowing down, and they've all got sensible coats on and really nice hair. And they're like, where's your sex fiend friend, Skip? And the guy says, I heard he partied down all night long. Deirdre, the girl from the, from the show, the, the MILF, who's clearly about 45, gets out of the car at school. And they all just start, like, baying like dogs. And, like, <laughs> that's something from, like, a 30s cartoon. Like, <laughs> proper whooping, all, like, whooping and all writing. That's what they're doing, <laughs> whooping and all writing. She flips on the bird, and they just get even better. Even louder, and they're like, oh, yeah, honey, bring it here. Bring me the fucking bird. Good, classy, classy dance. They're not, they're bad dance. Bunch, <laughs> bad of, bunch of bad dance. Like, Julie's there as well. Julie, who we mentioned earlier on, she was with Skip at the uh, ill-fated date. She's there with her mates, and they're uh, banging on about uh, they're having too much work from the new IT teacher, Mr. Simmons. He's setting far too much work. It seems everyone in this world is IT mad. That's what, that's what they do. That's what they do. Now, the band, who were clearly too old to be at any kind of, in any kind of education whatsoever, are all just hanging around. They're, they're at school. The guitarist, I, I, the guitarist looks about 50. He's, he wears the suit. He, looks, he was the worst defender, wasn't he? Is he like yeah. from Winger? You know Winger? Is he Kid yeah. Winger? <laughs> You know, the, I was thinking about we're bringing up their age a lot. And yes, we all I think the thing is that we watch so many movies like this that I'm willing to give a like plus minus 10 years for a teenager. But when yeah, you've gone yeah. over the, the 10, that's when I, I it's very jarring to to take 
in. And I think that's why it's like every scene you cannot unsee grandparents acting here. You know, it's just it's over the top. They look crazy, crazy old. One of the girls starts chatting to Julie. One of the guys, sorry, starts chatting to Julie and says, uh, I didn't get time to finish my homework because I was too busy rocking all weekend with my cool old band over here with all these guys. Mick Mars over there at the back looking like the <laughs> land of the dead. This fella. And, he says, <laughs> and while, while he's talking to Julie, the douche boys are like, hey, fuck you, punk guy. Hey, punk guy. They're like, punk boy. And they end up getting into a scuffle. And uh, the punk lads, the, the slightly rock people at school, have a fight with all the people in the sensible coats. That's it. During the fight, though, Deirdre jumps on the back of one of the bad lad douches. She gets thrown off and she gets a cut lip and she's like, I'm going to get that guy. I'm going to get that guy, Red Herring. (laughs) This, the scene, the fight scene here, this is one of the few times I wrote down a quote because it was really funny. When the jocks get up and they're tossing the basketball around and they're like, yeah, we're going to go beat them up. And one of them says something like, watch out, he's probably got a switchblade. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, and then <laughs> this is the best one. I'm no joke. I rewound it like three times to make sure I heard this correctly. There is clearly they were doing like one take and they didn't have the money to go back and do it again. And one of the actors in the background of the jock gang just flubbed his line because if you listen, they go, we should go kick his ass. And then the other one goes, yeah, we should go kiss his ass. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. And I was like, did he just say, how's that threatening? How, what are you talking about? And clearly, <laughs> clearly he just messed up his line and they kept it in the movie. Yeah, it was, it was like an escalation because yeah. he was like, we should kick his ass. And then the other went, we should kiss his ass. <laughs> like, oh, that'll really teach him. That'll get him. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Mr. Simmons is the IT teacher and he's a total total hard ass when it comes to it he bloody loves computers <laughs> he's really into them but he seems to have it in for chicago eddie bad lad eddie rock and roll eddie from out of town he's like i got my eye on you bad lad you were fighting outside with the jocks i know i know you're a bad lad except eddie has the same outfit as the teacher did you notice that they're dressed yeah, the same, same coat on. <laughs> They have the like the sweater over their button up shirt, but Eddie's supposed to be this hard rocker, and this guy's an IT teacher, and they're wearing the same outfit. <laughs> yeah. That's not the first, uh, the, the first wolf death. Well, the next wolf death is uh, Tim the douche gets his neck snapped after he's complaining after football practice because he shouted at the coach. Everybody else is going for pizza, and he says, "Oh, he thinks he sees Deirdre and Deirdre." The girl from the gig, she's there. So I'm going to follow her. Bam! Dead. Wolf death. Could, who's it going to be? Who is, who is it? Now, Eddie's drunk uncle, Uncle Jack, Uncle Jack, he's boozing down the pub with his mates. And they're telling dirty jokes and just being generally offensive to the barmaids and stuff. And they see Eddie outside and say, is that your son outside? And one of his mates says, no, it's not his son. It's his loser nephew. His parents <laughs> got killed. By some mysterious circumstances in the past that never actually get mentioned again. And then they they... fucking piss themselves laughing. Yeah. (laughs) They all, like, can't contain their laughter. Like, it's the funniest thing they've ever heard. He goes outside and he's like, I'm going to go talk to the douchebag. He says, 
Eddie says, I'm going to be late for practice. And his uncle basically just gives him a bollocking about the uh, probation situation and the school. He says, you're staying all night doing God knows what. He says, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. He says, maybe if you study, you might get a decent job. He says, like you? Huh? That's in him off. And he walks away. And Jack says, there's something about that kid that just isn't normal. <laughs> maybe it's because he's 50. <laughs> He's quite wolfy, that boy. Get a decent job since you've retired once already. You need to find another job now since it's been 20 yeah. years, since you've gone back into the workforce after retiring. The next day, the body of the douche from the night before has been found, and it's it's in worse shape than the last one. They're like, what do you think did this? Said the police. They said, I don't know. Someone or something of unbelievably strength. Later, a band practice. Vince tells the band that they've got the gig for the month. He says, you know, you guys are going to go somewhere. You're doing really well. And Eddie, standing there in a white shirt like the guy from The Mission, looking a little bit like a murderer, says, why didn't you tell that to my uncle? <laughs> Is it quite walking? <laughs> his delivery with his huge... He's got the craziest hair, too. He, yeah. Yeah, he, he does. He kind of looks like the lead singer from uh, uh, Black Roses, where he... Clearly doesn't look like he sings rock and roll for a living. It looks like an actor that they tried to make look like a like a rock yeah. and roller. That's but he's like looking really pouty and serious with his feathered black hair. Tell that to my uncle. I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's great. School corridors. Deirdre has a plan. Is her name Deirdre? Deirdre. That's not it's, a real name. Oh, yeah. It's it uh, Deirdre. Deirdre. Oh, Deirdre. Sorry, Deirdre. Deirdre. Deidre. Well, I'm Deidre. not going back and editing that, so well, there you go. Her name's Deirdre. Deirdre. So she, she's gone to school, wanting a bit of Rewenge for last night's fight. She fell off, cut her lip, didn't she? So she says to that fella, she's like, she gets really sassy and hot. She's like, do you want to go for a decent time? And she says, I'll come pick you up tonight. And he's like, she says, no, I'll meet you in the park. And he says, yeah, okay. My back seat is really spacious. She says, no, I'm into the woods now. It's more sexy and private. And she says, you bring the blanket and I bring the heat. She was clearly going to murder him anyway. I don't know, Fletch. Is she? Is she? She's inviting him to the park. She's going for a date. But she's got a grudge, red herring. Could be anything. I tell you what. Do you know what? Initially, right, I thought this was badly written. Yeah. But... Now I realise it's because I wasn't watching it. Now you realise it's a web of intrigue. Weird. Yeah, I've really dropped the ball. Dropped I've the really ball dropped the ball this, time, this week, guys. You can watch this. I'll watch it with you next time to make sure. I'll take your phone off. No more Tinder. No more internet, ladies, please. Yeah, this movie is actually really fun. I think that it is, like Deidre, it's, uh, it brings the heat. Oh, it does bring the heat, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like... Just from a writing perspective, the amount of effort that must have gone into just trying to contrive a red herring for every single, every single person, everyone film. who turns up on screen yeah. drops a red herring. The amount of effort that must have gone in there. I, okay, so we've got like <laughs> jock number three is about to walk in, so I need to think of just a <laughs> line for him to say. I need to think of a line for him to say, which would also make him look like the werewolf. Right. I can just imagine the stressy yeah. like writer's room that happened during this, well, the... which was probably in the same AA meeting that they hired <laughs> these actors from. Yeah. 
Well, well it, it goes back to the Scooby-Doo uh, analogy yeah. where everybody, when you watch a Scooby-Doo episode, they make sure everybody gives like um, a wink of the eye or turns their head a certain way so that they might be a suspect. And it's like they just watched a whole season of Scooby-Doo and said, okay, what if we took Scooby-Doo, we hired a bunch of really old actors, and we put in a hair metal band and a werewolf? <laughs> Golden. <laughs> this film is like if you got one of those new um, script writing algorithms, like these AIs that they're getting to write scripts now. It's like if you got one of them, but if it, it only knew that Scooby Doo existed and you got it to write a film for it, <laughs> you just gave it the year. Yeah. yeah. That and you, you put like, you, you gave it nothing but years and years of Scooby Doo scripts yeah. and you made it watch a Van Halen video. <laughs> <laughs> see what it came out with uh, so yeah later at the park the douche goes to meet Deirdre but all he meets is his own grisly demise is it Deirdre is it Riwenge? the wolfman pulls the meat out of the douche end of scene this is another thing I know I don't like I don't know if you guys noticed this but the foley artistry of this film <laughs> It's well, the squelchiest the sounding film. There was a lot of fruit murdered, I think, during the making of this film. Yeah, <laughs> a lot like of someone stamped on loads of like burritos and stuff. Chris, we you said Chris, didn't you? Chris on a what? Well, I used to have a mate who was a foley artist. Yeah, and he used to he used to put Chris on a watermelon and just smack him with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Then. That's what it is. Well, and you know, speaking of this scene, we haven't really mentioned it yet, but the the gore in this movie is actually really good. And that's, I think, yeah. one of the, the most redeeming qualities of this movie is that when there is uh, a kill, it's it's a pretty satisfying kill. And this is yeah. one of them. You know, he's ripping yeah. out a heart or something. That's pretty gruesome. Yeah, he's got a big... I'm not sure if it is a heart, because he pulls a heart out later in the film and it's proper beating. <laughs> this one is just like a chunk of meat. Uh, maybe it was a warm... Like, like a warm-up or something. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So, at the club, the gig is in full swing. Deirdre's at the, she's at the club. How can she be at the club if she was meeting Douchebag down the park? She looks a bit peaky, a bit distant, but she's looking at Eddie because she wants Eddie because he's smouldering and he's singing about being misunderstood. Is it because he's a wolfman? A wolf? <laughs> Misunderstand the wolf? <laughs> Brooding. Like her friend Zaska said, like, how did you, how did your date go with the creepy, creepy douche down the park? Did you go? And she says, what? Are you a fucking cop? What do you want to know? What do you want to know? She's really shady about it. But she, she, she just didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, during the, during the interval of the, the gig, they all go out for some comfort. I know it's, uh, they're drinking Southern Comfort like it's, like, it's a big thing. Hey guys, you want to go out for some comfort? I know. I noticed that. Maybe it's a regional thing. Maybe. Well, the guys, all the band go out for some comfort outside. Deirdre enters. Purple leopard print spandex, mate. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? She was wearing it. I'm just, I'm just using my eyes. What was everyone else wearing? What was every other character in that scene wearing? Oh, just long leather jacket. You don't know. <laughs> I can just see. She was dolled up though. She looked like she was she was in like a white snake video for sure. I I mean it EK, don't encourage him. 
<laughs> I think that was the intent, though, was to highlight that she was standing out as, as, as a red herring. I think that was supposed to be like um, there's more to her than just what's, you know, on the surface as a typical high school student that she is. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like you're right. Okay? I feel I feel like this is a much more multi-layered uh, in-depth <laughs> film than we originally thought. Yeah, yeah people she, are going to get their, their PhDs writing about this one. Yeah, well, she, she's talking to Eddie. She asks Eddie, what are you working on? He's like, oh, new set. The guys come back. She, he fucks off straight away. So like, I've got something to do, and it's got nothing to do with wolves. And just disappears <laughs> out into the night. And they're like, where's Eddie going? He said, I'll be back by the third song. Jesus Christ, if I could get away with being like that when I was in a band, I'll be back by the third song. That's why you're not in a band, well, isn't it? The police sergeant is having a town meeting. So, like, people have raised a few concerns about the wild dogs. <laughs> the wild dog attacks. Now, EK, I mean, we live sort of in suburban Derbyshire. We don't get many wild dog attacks. Is, is this a thing that happens willy-nilly across, the, across America? Wild no. No, no, and I live I live right next to the wild open desert, and there are coyotes. I see coyotes almost all the time. They're just running across um, the street. Pups have everywhere. Have you ever you been hear. attacked? I have attacked never been attacked. No, I actually feel like they want to be my friends more than anything. Well, there you go. I mean, all the wild dogs in EK's areas have been eaten by these ice tea kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, fucking ice tea kangaroos and Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, that was the right. same episode. Oh, God, having a shower under the dust. Listen to Portishead under the dust. I remember, I remember that. We should have done that film. Well, we probably will because it's awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So he says, you know, don't worry about all these wild dog attacks. There's nothing to worry about whatsoever. The police are doing everything. While this is happening, a wretch of a man turns up at the door and he says, oh, is that so? He, says, he, he looks like a total drunk wreck of a man. He says, you let all these people saying you don't have to worry. Well, I'm planning my son's funeral and everyone gasps. And this is where I think we got the best acting in the film. Skip Stab, when he said, why are the police covering my son's death? And he does some very, very powerful act. I had to stop the film and uh, <laughs> take a moment. And I applauded because his acting <laughs> just stood up. His acting of, of, of uh, just, I mean, just, the, oh, just, he was so distraught. Yeah. He was. <laughs> they, the townspeople ran and gave him like yeah, a group hug. And while they're all hugging him, he says, how could a pack of wild dogs done this? <laughs> And the award goes to, yeah. And the award goes to, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, there you go. Hearing this, because obviously it skips down. Julie breaks down. She's like, "Fuck, I forgot my boyfriend from the start of the film that I've totally <laughs> forgotten about." <laughs> Shit, he's dead, isn't he? That's what this is all about. And she's crying outside. So Joel comes outside, forty-year-old Joel. It might as well be Billy Joel. <laughs> it looks like. <laughs> anyway. Comes outside and she's like, I blame myself for this. And he's like, why? She said, well, we had an argument. I heard a werewolf. I chucked him out of the car and I drove off. <laughs> I think this might have something to do with me. He's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The next day at school, Miss... Wait, she was the last person who saw him alive. Well, red herring, mate. They've all got something. They've all got something, haven't they? 
You said it, not me. Mr Simmons is giving a speech the next day at school about how terrible it is about this whole wild dog situation. And that people are just starting to... He just starts ranting. He gets really wound up. Sweaty. He's a very sweaty man, is Mr Simmons, for an IT teacher. Oh, my God, he's ludicrous. He's ludicrous. And he's like, oh, we've got just machines! And they're like, Mr Simmons, we've got a funeral to go to. Calm down. <laughs> and he has some wolf tablets and sits down. Is his hair real as well? You look at his hair. Uh, as we find out at the end, no, it's not. None of it's real. <laughs> what do you think? I uh, yeah, I was I mesmerized by his hair. Honestly, it was. Although you know, if he would have taken off the three layers of clothing he was wearing indoors, he probably wouldn't be sweating so much. I mean, what's he eating as well? Is <laughs> he looked like if the charity shop was like a person? <laughs> just layers and layers of coats yeah. just comfortable dead old lady coats yeah so, yeah people are asking deirdre questions about the the boy she was supposed to meet but she's being really fucking shady going what what man what are you on about i ain't meeting anyone red herring one month later yeah what is the timeline for this film? It's well, pretty long, isn't it? There's a month. There's a whole month. And then um, Julie's at college and Joel comes in and says, it's, do you remember all them murders? <laughs> I've been thinking about all them wolf, that wolf situation. Remember it, that? it turns into like St. Elmo's Fire yeah. where they're all just there. They're, they're all working in New York now. And they're like, remember them wolves? <laughs> yeah, he does a good back. Remember, it's been bothering me. That wolf situation. You remember that boyfriend you had who died? And she's like, Skip, oh yeah, Skip, he died. <laughs> so I think everyone is missing something. There is a piece of the puzzle that just doesn't fit. Shh, there's a bloody old lady in the library. And she's like, shut up, just shut up, guys. Stop talking about werewolves. And Joel says, I've got a couple of ideas of how we can put it together. If you meet me later, we'll, we'll sort this out. Oh, by the way, did you notice the, the name of the actor who plays Joel? Kevin Hart. His name's Kevin Hart. <laughs> not the right one. I got quite excited. Well, yeah, I, you you sent me this, and it was like Kevin Hart werewolf film, and I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Joel's like the whole. This whole thing makes no sense. There's no wild dogs anywhere. I've not seen one. And Julie's like, yeah, well, what are you saying? He says, I think after the killing stopped, everyone just pretended everything's all right. Where's the fucking dogs? I'm not seeing one. Julie says, I hope you're wrong, Joel. I don't think he is, guys. I don't think Joel is wrong. So Joel's plan is he's going to hack into the police central computer. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I have to do it. Like, I have to break their security code. And tap into the mainframe. Tap into the mainframe. Oh, that's it. That's when you know it's an 80s film, when you tap into it. Well, no, it's a bit, it's a bit for its time, isn't it? Is it really? Yeah, we're, we weren't tapping into the mainstream, a mainframe until, like, the 90s, right? Well, Julie... Strange Days style. Julie's worried about it. She says, I don't want another War Games situation. They're mentioning other they films. Mention war games. They mention War Games. They mention Teen Wolf as well later on. Oh, oh, they yeah. Do, yeah. yeah. So, good news though, guys. A month later, and the band's still going strong, still playing the same rocking songs, rocking all night by the cl- uh, cl- the same club. Do you we want to rock you. It's we want to rock you all night long. <laughs> yeah, it is. We want to. Yeah, we want to rock you all night long. Oh, this is a bit where the old guy rips out the massive solo, isn't it? 
the old fella, fella. Nick Mars, he's, he's, <laughs> he's like fire. He's like fire on that wood. I'm surprised it doesn't go, burst into flames. This is when I. This is when I. Like put my phone down. Yeah, because of the guitar set. The yeah, powerful guitar this is when I started actually just watching the film. Well, it's so powerful the guitar solo that it makes Eddie feel sick. He vomits. He has to get out. He gets out, runs out into the night. Maybe he's a wolf. I don't know, guys. Maybe he's a wolf. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie's drunk uncle. Meanwhile, he's drinking in the, in the loser bar downtown and he gets thrown out only to get his heart ripped out in a neon-soaked alleyway. Yeah, away. this is a pretty cool scene, actually. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, it was pretty cool. The stalking and killing of Drunk Uncle Jack. And uh, the lighting, too. The the alleyway's got these pinks and purples, you know, very 80s. It's got that... I don't know if... Did you ever see that movie Vamp? I think you have. Mate, oh, mate. That's Come what on. it's all about. That's, that, yeah. that's, that's our bread and butter. I love We're all about Vamp. I love yeah, it's... Movie. Yeah, same kind of lighting. I love it. We yeah. we did vamp twice technically. <laughs> yeah, we've done it we too. Vamp, we did a vamp episode, and then we did Queen of the Damned, and then, oh, and then we just talked about vamp. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, drunk Uncle Uncle Jack turns out their new, their surname is Lupinski. Vaguely Lupine, isn't it? Really? Yeah, Eddie Lupinski is his name. It turns out. Yeah. Yeah. So Julie and Joel are using modern internet computers to solve the case. Uh, Julie's got loads of different bits of like flotsam of information, and Joel says, "Put them, put them into the computer, and we'll see what we get." So two, two, two dog mutilations in Lewis County. That's that's a, that's pretty bad. Three missing children in the same place, and squirrels have been poisoned. Which I don't understand because squirrels. Squirrels have ruined. Oh, you need to stop with the squirrels. The squirrels have ruined my solar Christmas lights. I know it's the summer, but they shouldn't be nibbling through them like they're fruit. I had to fix them, and now they're in. <laughs> now they're in the tiki zone. They're not supposed to be in the tiki zone. They're supposed to be in the Christmas tree down the bottom. Fucking squirrels. So yeah, you're yeah. so weird, right? Because <laughs> you like sometimes I think you're like this proper animal person because you you have like twenty cats living here. And a rabbit that I didn't know about, even though it's been <laughs> it's living here. It's not a here. secret rabbit. It's been here for like two years, and I saw it today. It's, well, who, that and says more about you that lives it. outside that just comes here. That's and not my that cat. Well. That's not my cat. It just lives in the garden. It just lives here. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then today, I was out back, and you were like, if you see a squirrel, punch it. I just hate the squirrels. <laughs> They've been deep, like, I, I turfed, I turfed, I bought meadow. I bought a meadow at EK, sections of a meadow, and I've had it transplanted into my garden. Squirrels digging the fucker up all the time, <laughs> breaking me lights. And, and, I went out this morning, they're bringing nuts from other people's gardens. They're going around nicking all the bird seed from all the other gardens, stockpiling it in my garden and eating it in one place. <laughs> anyway, let's forget about squirrels. <laughs> Were they red or grey? I don't know. I just I see red, so they're all red in my eyes. So anyway, howling dogs, a rash of vandalism, and some woman said she saw a massive wolf on two legs. It was a squirrel <laughs> with demon eyes. Yeah. 
Joe's like, yeah, that's all good. Wolves, dogs, dead squirrels. We'll get it in the internet computer. This will help us build a map to show us where the werewolf is going to be. <laughs> and then <laughs> they do. They put all the information. Who's, who the werewolves killed? They put in, like, drunk uncle, skip me and the forgotten boyfriend, all that. That's a real thing now, though, isn't it? Well, I know now, but in 88, what did you say? They invented crime computers. Listen, right. Schmods, like they say in Blues Brothers. There's this thing about science fiction. I mean, this makes it science fiction, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think so. It's a science science fiction science fiction werewolf movie. Yeah, it's, it's more of a mystery. It's more like a murder she wrote. This, I thought. <laughs> but also, it's got everything. It's got everything. So yeah, you, 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 so yeah, they're they're using. The wow, game. it turns out this film was great. I thought it, I thought it was shit. Well, <laughs> have we already looked past the scene in the library with the librarian? Or has that not happened? Um, oh, we did that. Yes, yeah, or I'd skip past it where, where she was like, no, no, that won't do. Well, okay, so this scene, I have, to, I have to mention it because not only is the guy, Joel, older than the actual librarian that's scolding him about being a kid, but also there is this one-liner that Julie says where the librarian is really cranky and tells them to leave. They can't do their internet research there on that computer. And yeah. as she's walking away, Julie says... She probably doesn't know a microfish from a tuna fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I did actually forget that. But yeah, that is classic. Classic assassin. But yeah, they're all the same age. They're putting all the information into the computer about all the people that have been killed. And then she says, oh, yeah, Skip. Boyfriend Skip. And she gets a little bit sad about it. Joel's like, oh, can I do anything? And she says, you know, we're really good friends, Joel. And he's like, shit. I'm in the friend zone. I'm not getting anything here. Bam, about to kiss her. She's about to kiss him. And then hard-ass Simmons comes in and he's like, I hope you kids are doing your homework in here. And he says, what are you looking at? What's this? Mutilated squirrels? Wild dogs? Shit. He's totally onto them. He says, oh, and you seem to have Eddie, Eddie Lipinski's Chicago police records here. <laughs> so they had, which they were going through. And she says, what have you got these for? And he says, oh, I'm just I'm showing Julie how to do data entry. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm taking full, res- full responsibility for everything that I've done on the computer machine. And Mr. Simmons gets really angry. He says, you'll take your papers and your programs and you'll fuck off out of school. Get out of school and stop fiddling with the system. He's, He's sweating. <laughs> Yeah, he's really sweaty and he's taking tablets. He's the only teacher that sort of... There's no other teachers at this school. No. Now, the kids leave. And when they leave, Simmons, shitbag Simmons, calls the police. And he's like, all these murders, it's that fucking singer from that pop band. Uh, No, I'm not telling you who I am. Shady, puts the phone down. I've seen this film. Yeah, and you're struggling to remember it now, are you? I don't know who the werewolf is. You don't know who the werewolf is. No, that's how good the writing is. That's not. I don't. I'm, don't tell me. But well, I'm Colleen, not, I'm not joking. Julie is sleeping at, at home. Someone's sneaking in, really creepily. John Scout, it's okay. It's Joel, and he has a plan. He he stares at Julie's boobs at one point, and she's like, <laughs> yeah. "Don't look at my boobs. Can I just get changed outside?" And he goes outside and he gets scared by stuff there. Fred is one of the douchey kids. He'd been out with Colleen. She's the mate of the other rock girl. He ended up 
you know, trying it on with her. She didn't want any of it. She's like, drop me off at DeAndra's. I want to go there. She's like, okay, yeah, fair enough. I'll drop you off there. Knocking on the door. There's no answer, guys. No answer. But we do get a wolf POV. <laughs> Closes in on Colleen. The door, the growling, the shadow of the wolf. <laughs> the girl, she runs into the night and the mystery wolf makes chase. Is this the first time we see, like, the full That's body that- of the wolf? Um, yeah, pretty much. That's when you see full wolf. <laughs> Which isn't like... full. It's not full wolf, though. It's like a, a head and hands, and then they couldn't do the rest of the costume, so it's just like a T-shirt and jeans. It looked like it just had like a blue jumpsuit on. Yeah, it like did. Yeah. Cap. It did. It looked like a member of Slipknot or something. <laughs> <laughs> Julie and Joel have snuck back into the computer room at school to do some more research. And Joel, his, his, his algorithm has worked. He says, all of these latest murders follow the same pattern as the attacker. It's in the same location. And plus, they all took place on a full moon. And there was always reports of a massive dog. <laughs> it's in there, like, as the news over the findings, they're like, I think this is it. Howl from outside. And she's like, fuck. That is the noise I heard that the night Skip died. And Joel's like, let's get out of here. Outside, the wolf is still chasing Colleen. She runs into the school, bumps into Joel and Julie, to be caught, only to be cornered by the beast. Now, Joel's idea is he's going to just set fire to it, petrol bomb the beast. <laughs> they're, they're, gonna, they're, they're just going to chuck a petrol bomb at him, but he just runs away. The beast just runs off. And then Joel, Joel says, it's really weird that the wolf just run away. <laughs> we've got to convince the police that werewolves are real and so they're they afraid off. of they're afraid of gasoline if you uh create a molotov cocktail and you threaten to throw it at them that's how you can get yeah, rid of a werewolf. Run away. yeah yeah that's it that's exclusively werewolf. if you go to a vampire with a, a molotov cocktail they're like what yeah what's that so <laughs> Joel goes to the police, and the police, because it's an 80s film, obviously, don't believe a fucking word the teenagers say, not having it. And they say, all I know is we've seen a werewolf, and we've got to stop it. So he says, he thinks about it, he says, we need a silver bullet. And he says, hang on a minute, my dad's got some silver trophies upstairs in the attic. I'll go home and melt them down. And he says, hang on. Don't forget, guys, this isn't a Michael J. Fox situation we've got here. (laughs) We're going to need some help with this. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. We're going to have to expose the wolf so that people believe him. So that's it. He's he's going out and he's going to melt down some silver and meet them later, basically. (laughs) I tell you what. It's a plan. The moment moment they saw that it was a werewolf, they scrambled. Yeah, Mm -hmm. straight away. So, but they know what they took it seriously. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, been, he's, got, he's been putting it in the internet. He knows what it is. The internet told him it went werewolves. It's a werewolves. Aunt Trudy's at home playing solitaire. Cause she's all sad. Drunk old, drunk Uncle Jack. He's dead. Eddie, he's going out for the night. He's putting on his fingerless gloves. She's like, you're not going anywhere tonight, are you, Eddie? Red herring. And he says, no, don't worry about it. I'm going out to play some hard rock with rocking boys down at Rocktown. And he gives her a little kiss on the head and says, don't worry about it. We'll see you later. As she's leaving, she says, it's not safe out there, Eddie. She calls after him, but he's gone. 
outside, Eddie bumps into Joel and he's got a big pile of books about werewolves. <laughs> he's like, why you got all these books about werewolves? He's like, don't ask me about that. He's like, okay. <laughs> he helps him get into the school and that's when Joel shows him that he's made silver bullets. In the time that he's been gone, he's made these silver bullets, gone home, melted down some statues of his dad's, he's come back. All the They're... kids end up meeting at... They're really good looking silver bullets, too. And I didn't see in his stack of werewolf books, I didn't see one on how to make a silver bullet. But somehow he's got the mold, mold, the casing, the the powder, everything. And he's got perfectly crafted silver bullets. So Julie turns up at the school. Colleen turns up at the school. They're all there. But Colleen brings Deirdre with her. And uh, Julie's like, I think she's the fucking wolf. What do you buy her for? And just as she says that, she slinks off into the dark. (laughs) she just melts into the shadows inside the school the two boys clacking away at a keyboard with the power of computers Joel has worked out that the wolf will be somewhere near the school tonight because he's got a graphic on the computer that's got like an arrow pointing to a square that says the school (laughs) with this wolf (laughs) algorithm it's it's science it's computers you know this Fletch you work with computers is this what you do at work (laughs) <laughs> this is this is actual like serial killer catching yeah. technology. Well, that's it. Yeah, that exists. He says, uh, right? He does. Well, yeah, it does now. It does now? Maybe because of this. If you could put squirrel deaths into <laughs> it as well, if you can work that into your nobody album. cares about squirrel deaths. Nobody cares. You do. Well, you were trying to. You were like Lady Macbeth trying to get me to murder a squirrel earlier. <laughs> Anyway, Joel's like, I've got this, I've got a map. It'll just give me a second to print out the map on this dot matrix printer. And he turns round, as he turns round, shady Eddie, he's gone into the night, like a night wolf. He's gone, he's left, following immediately by a blood-curdling scream outside. The police arrive and they go looking for the beast, but they find Deidre. But then they hear, straight after that, they hear another scream. So it's not her. You pronounce her name differently. I can't remember every what it time is. time you say it. Anyway, the Sarge says he's, he like, he's had enough of these stupid kids and he's taken them to the police station. When he's doing that, Kamitsky, lack of commitment ski, is there. <laughs> he says, you stay here, I'm going to take these kids. And as he's going, oh, massive wolf, he's going, go and look and see what that is. He goes and finds some more fresh meat, some bodies on the floor. Now, Joel is reunited with the kids because the kids go into the, the police car and then they break out into the woods. They're all reunited. And he's printed out the internet wolf map that he, that he drew. He says, um, I've got the map, guys, but don't worry. I'm ready for a confrontation. And he pulls a gun out. And they're like, where did you get that from? He said, when I was melting down bullets, when I was making bullets in the attic, <laughs> I happened to find a gun. It's my dad's gun. That's all you need to know. Basically... <laughs> I was thinking about the uh, I was thinking about the point that EK brought up earlier about the uh, how the fact that he can make bullets. Yeah, he made them. He just did. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, yeah, he has been at school twenty years longer than <laughs> the rest of us. So yeah, he's probably it. picked up a lot of skills. That's he's it. taken every class. He learned it in yeah. shop class in nineteen seventy three. Now the kids hide out at Deirdre's or whatever her name is house, at her house, because she's got loser parents who don't care about her. So they're not there. But now they took they turn on the news to find out that they are the five most wanted people in town. 
they are now wanted for all the wolf murders for this school shenanigans that had happened. Happened the night before. So that's what I was going to say. Now the tension cracks in the the friendship. They all start to fall out, but in the end they come to the conclusion that none of them are the wolf. And they have to stick together. They're going to sort this wolf situation out. The best place to hide, they figure, is to go and hide at the school. And all of Joel's data indicates that the wolf will be somewhere near the school. (laughs) So they go back to hide at the school. But the, they go in there on the night of the winter costume ball. It's not Halloween. It's the winter costume ball. And Joel's like, I know all the places to hide in the school. This is the best place. No one's ever going to look for it. Look, look for us here. It's perfect. We'll just sit tight in the school. Now, a winter costume ball, that is just a Halloween thing, isn't it? Yeah, basically. And there's yeah. this weird, when it when it goes into the ball, did you catch the strange woman with the... You know, like Marie Antoinette wig on, doing a strange... Yeah, the teacher. <laughs> what was doing... that about? Yeah, she's doing the fancy dress competition. I was... Too... Fletcher, you just said, she's not a real person. Yeah, I was too high <laughs> for her. <laughs> I was just... She wasn't real, she was a puppet. Yeah. That wasn't... That wasn't a real person. Well, yeah, she was She was judging the, the costume competition. The prize for the competition is a $500 scholarship for the best costume. With that voice. Yeah. I know. But the kids were at the school. She, she was a ghost. Yeah. She was the, <laughs> this, this was is, a ghost film all this, along. This is basically... <laughs> that was the final red herring. This is the final red herring. <laughs> the woman was the ghost all along. But yeah, this is basically the end of the film. There's a fancy dress competition. The wolf goes full wolf, fights all the kids... Slashes a load of kids and gets on the stage. The teacher's like, you're not in the fancy dress competition. Yeah. <laughs> and Don't raise your hand to me. <laughs> that was the role of her life, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. And oh, the, yeah. the wolf goes running off round round the school. Wait, come on. Well, does. You're not going to gloss over what he does to her. Well, he slashes her face, doesn't he? Yeah. And that's like <laughs> the goriest part of the film, isn't yeah. it? It's good. You good stuff. This whole ball scene is really, I, I really like it. And I i find it amusing that every uh, werewolf movie from the 80s, because we just covered The Howling Part 3, which is, boy, that's that's a film. Um, but yeah. every every werewolf movie is like, you have to wait till the very end to get the transformation scene. And it all hinges on that. And this is when we yeah, get it. You... And I was like, all right, here we go. Here's the transformation. And I actually like the end of this film kind of makes up for some of the lagging of the rest of the film. Because this is this is pretty heightened. It's kind of like the trick-or-treat scene, right? Where they're doing the concert and shooting yeah, all the yeah. kids. You know, it's just pure chaos. Yeah, he's just running around slashing up kids. And he, he runs off into the school. I feel, I feel like the pitch of this film was that transformation bit where you can see, like, someone's face transforming into a werewolf. Mm-hmm. I reckon someone made those prosthetics and went, we're going to make a film around You've this. You've got to write a film around this. <laughs> and it police, works. The police... <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The wolf runs off into the school, but the police's bullets have no effect whatsoever. Eddie, however, the hero of the piece now, has Joel's, Joel's dad's gun full of silver bullets, and he shoots the beast dead. Shoots Wait, it dead. Yeah, that's, that's, it. Not, that's not what happens, right? That's yeah. it, yeah. That's it. 
Are you guys serious? But then it transforms, Fletcher. You're ready to find out who the Scooby-Doo type. No, oh, like, no, I remember what happens. All the townsfolk. All of the policemen in... All of the policemen in this town turn up. Yeah. And they start shooting the wolf, don't they? Yeah. And then he runs into the gym and they're all like, oh, we've run out of bullets. We've shot him so many times. Yeah. No effect whatsoever. And then it dives out and the Danzig-looking one yeah. turns <laughs> yeah. up and shoots him, doesn't he? Well, Fletch, the wolf, it turns slowly back, metamorphoses back from wolf to man to reveal it was Mr. Simmons, the IT teacher, all along. <laughs> and and right before he dies, he opens his eyes and he says, and I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you kids. <laughs> also, as well, if Eddie, Eddie is like one of the five most wanted people in town, why is his, why is his band booked at this gig? They know, they know he's there and they're playing without him as well. Maybe it's just Jimmy's songs anyway. Maybe start. it was like a Blues Brothers situation where they were just like, they're at the gig and we we're just like, we're going to keep the police out as long as possible. Yeah. Us Three lads, orange whips. The lads do <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it ends. And it ends with a happy rock concert. The band are now playing a happy oh, song. Oh, this was the worst bit. This was the worst bit for me. They play a happy song at the end. When he's smiling. Yeah. And Aunt Trudy's <laughs> dancing at the front. When he smiles. <laughs> yeah. And then that's the end. Or is it, though, guys? Because his smiley face. <laughs> Can we just talk for a second about the horror of his of smiley, smiley, smiley face? That's just his natural face. That's his actual face. That wasn't his actual face. That's what it was. That was when more he, prosthetic. When he took away, you know, Uncle Jack had gone. Every, nobody thinks I'm a wolf anymore. I'm happy now. <laughs> Let's do a happy song. <laughs> That's what it is. It was terrifying. But it's too late because they've infected a load of kids with wolf blood. Because they're in the hospital. Ow! The end. <laughs> hand. Hand. Starts how it begins with a wolfy hand. With a wolfy high five to the yeah. audience. So that was it. That was, uh, that was Lone Wolf from 1988. Fletcher, did you enjoy it? Lone Wolf from 1988? I didn't watch it. Probably. You didn't watch that one properly, did you, Bob? <laughs> E.K. Wimmer, did you enjoy that? Oh, yeah, you better believe pick. it. You picked it. You made us watch that film. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a special place for metal horror, and even though the the music is questionable under that definition, this film, even though it should have been about uh, 25 to 30 minutes shorter than it was, was still pretty fun. It's a little long. It has an after-school special, but the gore really makes up for all of that. Yeah, overall, I really yeah. did enjoy this. The acting and the one-liners are are over the top. You can tell that these local actors just tried to make the most of their big shot on the screen, and they gave it their all. Yeah. It's great. I, I feel like I didn't watch it. Because <laughs> you were telling me stuff, and I was like, that's actually... Like, E.K. was mentioning stuff, and I was like, that, that sounds like a good film. Yeah. That wasn't the film I watched. <laughs> so, well... Thank you for joining us, EK, and uh, hopefully you can come on again at some point. But ladies and gentlemen, please, if you can, EK, please tell people where they can find you on the interwebs. Well, first off, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I listen to it every week. So this was pretty surreal to just be sitting chatting with you guys. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I'd love to come back on. But if you want to follow oh. what we do... Um, our podcast is Laser Graves. We're on Instagram at Laser Graves. And then anywhere you get your podcasts, really, you know, Spotify and iTunes and Podbean and all that stuff, or lasergraves.com. 
And that's where you can find us. And if you want to uh, follow me on Instagram, I'm at death at 33 RPM, which is actually the um, European title for trick or treat. So there's a fun fact. Uh. <laughs> there you go well thank you for joining us ek and thank you people of the internet for joining us again while we talk about films we'll be back next tuesday when we're back with magic mark and we're doing another werewolf film fetch <laughs> we are we're doing full eclipse with mario van peebles <laughs> and patsy kensick Ooh! Eddie's the new guy in town and everybody wants him. I think I want him. 